My guest on this episode of Fit for Purpose is Judith Batchelor. Judith's now Director of Brand for Sainsbury's, where she's been steering their response to the coronavirus pandemic. More than most, she's had a very varied career, starting work in science and pharmaceuticals, then becoming a teacher, and then switching to management, firstly in the brewing industry, at chocolate maker Mars, before landing up in retail and Sainsbury's. Going to hear a bit about Judith's journey, but also how Sainsbury's is more than just your local shop and some of the work they're doing crucially to provide and spread opportunity across the country. So Judith, um, emerging from lockdown in many cases, but um, for Sainsbury's, you have literally kept Britain fed throughout this crisis. It must have been a massive challenge behind the scenes to suddenly react to a lockdown. And, and if you like the behaviours that we saw from people rushing to try and make sure you know, they and their family were going to be fed and okay. Yeah. Oh, I, I think we were in it before we knew it. I think no one had predicted very early on the panic buying that there would be a national shortage of toilet rolls and, you know, supermarket shelves would be empty in a way that was, was, was actually quite scary for people. And when I think about what we were managing over that period of time, I mean, we, we move around the country around 27 million cases of things a week, <laughs> um, in, in a maximum at Christmas. And that's probably for 10 days, two weeks in the run up to Christmas. We plan for it all year. And then we have a huge sigh of relief and go home and lie down on Christmas day and boxing day and then come back and start again. Um, but, but with this, it was like Christmas every day and it went on and on and there was no um, let up. It, it was pretty relentless. And when I think of all the things that we did to maximize how we could get goods through the system, it, it, it really was quite phenomenal. Um, and, you know, things that, that people wouldn't necessarily see. So for example, um, we had uh, our own colleagues that were vulnerable and would have um, needed to self-isolate or did need to self-isolate um, for 12 weeks and were staying at home and or caring or with someone who needed um, to isolate and therefore they did too. Um, that meant that we had to employ 10,500 new colleagues in a very short window, but not just employ them, train them on our systems, online delivery drivers, um, managing all of that, basically doubling our online delivery capacity, because I think everyone thought that, that we were lo a lot of food was sold online in this country, but actually only 7% of the grocery market was an online grocery market. So when everybody wanted their groceries delivered and didn't want to leave home, there was no capacity. So it had to be created. And and then, of course, you can't create that capacity because of social distancing in our stores. And therefore, you have to do all that shopping on a night shift. And the night shift is limited because you're opening at 7.30 for NHS care and carers to shop on, on their own in a protected shopping hour. So there are masses of things going on in the background, tons of perspex being ordered to put into two and a half thousand locations, sanitizer shortages, um, face masks, you name it. So yeah, it was, um, we're coming out at the other side of it, uh, 
but I've, I've never known a period of intensity like it. But it shows you what you're capable of. That's the good thing. It did. And I think the staff in the stores were incredible. And, you know, obviously you couldn't have done any of this, I suppose. Without them. We've yeah. got a completely redefined impression of what a key worker is now as a result of all of that. Oh, I think, and some of the things, I mean, we've always had a really strong um, culture of volunteering in our business, but the things that people were doing, so people were coming off a night shift and, and people that couldn't get online orders, some of our colleagues were doing the shopping for those individuals and then delivering it to them on their way home. I mean, you know, way beyond the call of duty. And uh, no, it, it's quite emotional actually thinking about the lengths that people went to to help each other. And I, I think, you know, in many respects, it's a crisis that brought out the best in people. So. Yeah, we I'm sure should be I'm able sure. to capture that. <laughs> yeah, and I think the challenge now is how do you make sure you don't lose that sense of the art of the possible, which turns out there's a lot more possible than we realised. Oh, absolutely. And and I think one of the really refreshing things um, was the way that different sectors worked together and also um, different stakeholders, whether that was government, government, whether it was regulators, whether it was um, NGOs and charities. I mean, if you talk about a team effort, we, we had every morning um, with DEFRA a food resilience forum call, which had the best part of, I don't know, 120 people on that call. But between us, we were all the people that could make things happen. And, mm -hmm. and we'd have that call in the morning, we'd catch up in the afternoon, and by the next morning, whatever it was we'd agreed, we'd done it. Mm -hmm. And you kind of think that level of or scale and the pace at which we were moving just shows you, you know, what you can do big stuff in short periods of time if you have to. And I think perhaps more than anything, it underlines that it's people who make things happen. And in a way, for me, that's why social mobility matters. Because if the more you can almost unleash people to be the best yeah. version of themselves, the more they will do incredible stuff. And at the heart of it is just giving them the chance to, to be able to do that. Tell us a little bit about almost the, the, the role that social mobility plays for Sainsbury's. Obviously, we're working with you on a social mobility action plan. Tell us a little bit about where this features for Sainsbury's as a business. Yeah. Well, I suppose the first really material point is that we are a massive employer. Um, so we have 185,000 colleagues um, in our business. And most of those colleagues are in places that they're not sitting in some great big office in the middle of London like me today um, but they are in a store in Nairn in Scotland they are spread far and wide and and because of the nature of, of the work that most of our colleagues do in our retail operations in our supply chain and logistics operations um, a lot of them uh, will be joining us from their local community and joining us from school or from um, further education, depending on what they've decided to do. So for, for many people, we are their first employer. And that re 
that has a responsibility with it because we're working a long time <laughs> and when you're spending so much of your time at work that work has to be purposeful um it has to be rewarding and it has to give you um some hope and vision for the future and and how you might develop in that role and for me there is nothing better than seeing a colleague I mean, we, the number of colleagues we have with 25 years, 40 years service that have never worked anywhere else, but have seen them do a variety of jobs, seen their careers progress and, and seen them be very successful and, you know, actually really quite important in their own communities. Mm. If you imagine that in a store, we might be employing anything from five people to 800 people in some of these big stores working lots of shifts. The teams that are working there play a big role in their local community. And, and, and if we're not driving that social mobility agenda and people aren't seeing the possibilities, then, you know, A, our reputation, but also more importantly, the role that we can play and the purpose that we have within that community um, is is suboptimal and and that's why we invest in it that's why we have massive apprenticeship programs that's why we have plans you know programs for women and why we champion diversity and inclusion and all the things that we do that we take for granted as being normal but I know that they're not normal and they don't happen everywhere else. Judith, tell us a little bit about some of these different things that Sainsbury's does do that you feel can have a real impact. Um, I think the way that we have um, championed apprenticeship programs and and particularly uh, those apprenticeship programs that really do take people on their learning journey right from um, first principles all the way through to degrees and, and expert qualifications in certain areas and that can be anything from accounting to the skills of a master baker, a fishmonger, a butcher that work on our, our stores. We, we have put a lot of effort into those programs and when you think that sometimes income is a barrier to education and, and I was lucky enough to grow up when you didn't if, if your parents couldn't afford it, you got a full grant when you went to university and everything, your education was paid for. Um, I didn't end up having, you know, massive debts to pay off for my education, which is what young people do now and becomes a barrier or a burden later life. Having the ability to be able to train on the job, work on the job and develop your skills and capability over years and lots of those apprenticeship programs aren't all about young people. They, they, they continue through lifelong learning. I think our, our investment in that uh, is exemplary. And I'm hugely proud of, of my colleagues that work in HR and manage those programs because they, yeah, I think we've got 40 different apprenticeship programs we run. So it's massive. And it sounds like from you personally, you know, you're also someone who's made their way through um through and up and so in a sense you can bring your own lived experience to the need for people to develop in roles and get the chance to yeah. step up and have more challenging roles tell us a bit about almost how you end up you know in such a senior role in Sainsbury's um Gosh. It's an interesting journey yeah no well I I'm 
I come from a family of, of school teachers. Um, in fact, my entire family, apart from those that um, uh, in university uh, education. Um, I went to the local village school where my mother taught for 37 years. We always lived there, um, very rural environment in the New Forest. And, uh, and I, I went to university and, and studied and thought I was going to be a doctor, but ended up working um, in the pharmaceutical. You were the industry. black sheep of the family then, not going into <laughs> Yes. Yeah, no, I am. I am. Um, yes, even now I am. Uh, I, I didn't, didn't enjoy working in the pharmaceutical industry, so I actually went back and trained to be a teacher, funnily enough. And, and it's interesting, in those days, my mother said to me, well, of course, Judith, you know, that's the best thing you can do because when you get married and have children, you get all the school holidays off. And I, and I remember thinking at the time, that's, that's very pragmatic and typical of, of my mother, bless her. Um, but that was not how I wanted to, to lead my life. So I did teach for a while in, in uh, southeast London in the boys' school, biology and chemistry. And, and I then applied to Bass, who in those days were a brewer and uh, joined them as a management trainee. Then I stayed in manufacturing, food manufacturing, went to Mars in Slough and made chocolate. Uh, and then I moved to Marks and Spencer and, and retailing and I've stayed in retailing ever since. So I've been here at Sainsbury's now for 16 years. Uh, still have the same job title that I had 16 years ago as director of Sainsbury's brand. But um, my job that I do now bears no resemblance to the job that I did 16 years ago. So, uh, and I'm constantly learning, constantly learning new things, new challenges. Um, and and I, do, I do get up in the morning and think it is my job to feed the nation because we, we have 27 million customers every week who rely on us. And that's a really important purpose, if ever there was one, I guess. Oh, yes. And, and we, we know the things that we do will affect the health of the nation. They will affect, um, you know, how the nation is feeling. And, uh, yeah, it's important. It's important work. I guess your journey demonstrates the reality for most people, which is you don't leave school necessarily knowing what you want. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, unless, normally, yeah. and normally, unless you're, you want to be a vet or a GP, um, I used to, those are my most annoying friends because they'd already got everything sussed out. Um, but I think for most people, you know, even as you leave university, you're not always sure about what you want to do. And so it is quite an iterative process, isn't it? And, and I think sometimes young people feel they're under pressure to be able to yeah. make a decision about what they will do with the rest of their lives, feeling like they're really old by the time they are at university. But actually the reality is you can try different things and, and find where you fit? Well, I didn't find my niche, I suppose, as it was. So I was in my early 30s. And then it was, I realised what having work that motivated you really felt like and wanting to get up in the morning. But, um, you know, retailing is quite interesting. I mean, I mean people can be very um, derogatory about retailing and, and you have to have sort of, yeah, a strong sense of self-worth when, when people talk about um, some of our, I suppose, stereotypical views of what a retailer does. But, you know, we are a massive logistics business. Um, you know, we've been the top five logistics businesses in the country. Similarly, from a, a, a technology point of view, the, the 
the technology that runs our stores, our supply chains and our whole infrastructure as a business at two and a half thousand locations around the country is phenomenal. We are a bank, you know, we've got a bank head office in, um, in Edinburgh and, you know, we've got credit cards and bank loans and all the other financial services, um, as well as being a, a shopkeeper and as well as being a trading business that tra trades billions of pounds worth of goods globally across 70 countries with offices in China, Hong Kong, Bangladesh, Delhi. It, it, you know, it's, it's, it's not just your supermarket, but of course the manifestation of it is your local Sainsbury's, mm. which comes back to, we've got all of that, but we are a community place-based business that can offer so many more opportunities as part of a wider Sainsbury's Absolutely. group than would ever realise, especially young people. Well, we're the ninth biggest clothing business in the country, but when you talk about Sainsbury's, you don't think about clothing, you think about food. But, you know, it's... Um, and the same with our Argos business and our Habitat business. I mean, this is a multiple brand, multiple channel opportunity. Um, and, and for those people who, who join us and are looking at a world of opportunities, it's pretty much all there um, to play people's strengths, yeah. I think what was interesting when I visited was the ability for people to start in one part of the business, but then if their interests take them into something completely different, for example, as you said, the sort of technology side of the company, mm. actually you're able to allow them to do that switch and that shift so that they can as you did, you know, find where they fit and find what really fires them up. And the other thing is, you know, when you, when you do that in a career that isn't in an organisation that is so multifaceted as ours and employs so many people, quite often you have to leave one business to join another to get those opportunities. And, and you don't in our business, which means that your reputation, your track record and your talent... Um, uh, and abilities stay with you. So we're able to look at individuals and play to their strengths and, and give them those opportunities to broaden their skill set and, and also um, be ambitious for, for what might be in the future. And I think sometimes, and particularly for young people joining businesses, and particularly thinking when we're coming out now of the coronavirus and what that might mean for jobs and, and the prospects for young people. Having the ability to look across an organization and see the infinite possibilities within that organization actually is quite powerful. I, I talked about apprenticeships, but the ability that we have to be able to scond people to different parts of the business and to go off and try things uh, is, um, is phenomenal. It sounds like one of the big learnings in a way that's that's been underscored by coronavirus is also the reach of Sainsbury's and its ability to work with a variety of different partners. In this case, on a mission of keeping the nation fed. Yeah. Um, but almost this sense of opportunity that comes out of that, of being able to tackle some of these more ingrained, but also similarly complex issues like social mobility, if we can work a bit more collectively together on a national effort. Oh, definitely. And, and I think, um, I think actually, if there's one thing that comes out of all of this is the fact that 
um, competitors can be collaborators where it is in everyone's interest to, to be that. And, I, and a lot of what we were able to do in the coronavirus was done because of the relaxation of competition law for us to be able to, for example, agree that we would all offer a shopping hour for NHS workers and carers that was distinct so that they didn't have to mix with everybody else and could shop um, before they started their shifts or um, the ability to for us all to identify those clinically vulnerable people that we would offer online delivery services to so that those that couldn't leave home could get food and you know the data sharing contracts that were set up to do that essentially what happened was we kind of lined up the two sides of the problem so we lined up all the food charities food donation charities food redistribution charities and their requirements and, and they created a massive shopping list which was the shopping list that we all had so it was toilet rolls it was uht milk it was canned mm -hmm. tomatoes it was baked beans, pasta, rice. Um, they created a seven and a half thousand pallet a week order. That was their shopping list. Mm -hmm. And then we got all of the food manufacturers and relay together to say, here's the shopping list. What have we got between us? So the relaxation of competition law. So we all compared notes and we satisfied the shopping list. Then became the problem was we've got these seven and a half thousand pallets a week now. Um, how are we going to distribute it? So that's when we made a donation of three million to fair share, not mm -hmm. for food, but for redistribution. Yeah. So they had the logistics and the capacity to do that. Yeah. Um, so, and, and that's still going on now. And, you know, there are things we're thinking about how do we manage that differently mm -hmm. going forward. Um, that would never have happened um, pre this crisis. But when you think about all of those things, all of those things, with the exception of the, the gap that we had to fill, which was the warehouse and the infrastructure to, to redistribute that additional volume, all the bits of the jigsaw were there. They'd never been put together in that way before. Mm -hmm. And I think there is something very similar with this whole agenda going forward in that, you know, we've got things coming along now, like the new Chancellor's Kickstart programme, the work experience. We know we've already got a, a, a big apprenticeship programme in place that there's a pipeline for. Some of the charities like Speakers for Schools, Robert Peston, like the IGD, Food Feeding yep, yep. Britain's Future, those providing inspiration in schools to young people about careers in, in our sector. Um, you've got willing businesses that mm -hmm. are all trying to play a more active role in their communities. Most of us now have got a really active volunteer program. You, you start to say, actually, all the things that made this country really tick in a crisis are all there. We've just never put those bits of the jigsaw together to create a different picture. <laughs> and, and we'll find when we start to put the pieces together, what's missing. And I think that's the role that I think we can play in in filling the gaps that, that aren't there and, and, and piecing all those things together and joining the dots up. Because I genuinely, I, I've been amazed at what we've achieved in the last four months. Amazed. And, and you start to think about that and you're saying that way of working where we achieved some massive things 
I mean, at scale, at pace and, and really creative, imaginative things. I mean, all the work we did on the food banks and food redistribution, um, working collaboratively, all of those things, if you could bottle that up, yeah. <laughs> preserve that way of working, then some of these big challenges that are much more systemic and long-term and require us all to be aligned, um, like the, the levelling agenda, um, they, they suddenly become a lot more possible than you would have thought six months ago. So whilst on one hand, the, the coronavirus has created this asymmetric inequality and exacerbated all the things that were already there and underlying society, mm -hmm. it has also shown us what we're capable of when we have to yeah. get our act together. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel, yes, it, where we are is not ideal, but... I, I do feel optimistic that we have shown to ourselves and proved to ourselves that as a collective, yes. we, we can work together and we can, we can make big stuff happen. So there are lots of things that um, competitors can work together on. And if you think about some of the challenges around social mobility, there is no one business that's going to sort it out. Um, We've got some of the answers. We haven't got all of the answers. And particularly where those challenges are place-based challenges, then you need all of the actors in an ecosystem of place um, to work together to create those opportunities for uh, those individuals to, to thrive. And to say... Uh, I think it's going to be the collaboration of all collaborations if we are to address this levelling agenda properly um, and hard, just hardwire it into what we do. Um, it almost becomes okay. a new social norm. I think that's what we're looking for yes. and hopefully through the Opportunity Action Plan that Sainsbury's doing alongside you know, other companies that are also showing leadership, you start to get some real solutions that taken together can become a much bigger strategy. And as you say, Judith, if we can start to knit them together at more local levels in a more concerted fashion, then it gets really exciting about what we might be able to achieve. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, most businesses have um, worked more recently on, on this whole sense of purpose. And, and a lot of that is a, is, Yes, you know, um, it's about looking after um, the environment and thinking about um, reducing greenhouse gas emissions and climate change. But the centre of all of these things is people. And you can invest in all sorts of things, but the, the biggest, and, it, and I know it's trite because people say this all the time, you know, when you, the biggest asset you've got is the people you work with. Um, and when that's working well, there is nothing more rewarding than being in an environment where everyone is thriving and can have the opportunity to be the best they possibly can be. And I think it's, you know, it, it is sad when you see people that don't fulfill their potential, when you know that, that most people are capable of a, a lot more. Um, but a lot of the time, it's just that they haven't been given that opportunity. That's right. And in a sense, everything that we're trying to do through the Social Mobility Pledge and, and the work with Sainsbury's is about 
shifting that that arc of what's possible for people so that more people do get the chances to be able to be this best version of themselves yeah it sounds to me i mean obviously growing up um in a family of teachers i'm gonna guess you weren't short of advice <laughs> yes. what to do. but if you were looking back um, giving little judith now a bit yeah. of advice for the future what do you think it would be oh i think trust your intuitions and this whole idea of know, know what makes you um wake up and feel purposeful you know and if you can if you can identify what for you is worthwhile work then as it's those sayings isn't it you'll never work a day in your life because you will be doing things that that truly motivate you and so i never in the morning wake up and think i work for a supermarket i wake up in the morning and think my job is to feed the nation well and my job is to feed the nation well whatever their budget that's that's my that's my motivator. Amazing sense of purpose. So find your thing. Find your thing. Your find your thing. Yeah. And then go for it, basically. Yeah. And if I'm allowed two things. <laughs> the the right. other thing is to find in your workplace or in your life someone who cares enough about your career and your personal development um, to tell you the truth and give you the hard facts as, as well as the nice things. Because if you've, you've got someone who's looking out for you, um, you, you will do well. And, and everyone needs someone who's looking out for them in an organization. It's almost like that extended family with a little bit of unconditional love, but also, yeah. you know, with this kind of give you some hard truths when necessary. Yeah. I always a little remember, bit of tough love, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think I've always said the best appraisal I've ever had was my worst one, yeah. um, which I got a few years into, you know, my career as a fledgling accountant. And uh, I've been getting great appraisals. And then all of a sudden, almost out of the blue, <laughs> somebody gave me a load of areas where I could really improve and uh, I was like what but actually um I was a bit annoyed about it but I was only annoyed because it struck a nerve and I knew they were right anyway I got over myself over the weekend came back in and thought right greening you need to shape up and it was it was um it was the best appraisal because it was honest and I could do something about it and you know it was the only decision I had to make was actually, am I going to respond to it constructively or not? And yeah. the answer was, yeah, of course. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's, it is important. Yeah, no, I like that. And, I, and someone who cares enough will, will always give you the feedback that they know you can do something about. <laughs> well, look, um, it's been fantastic, Judith. Uh, we've finished all our questions, um, but it's been a great great podcast i think it's really interesting for people to sort of get almost this insight from someone who was at the heart of something so utterly important Enormous. absolutely everyone <laughs> over the last four months i think what my conversation with judith has highlighted in particular is how there are some challenges that are so big we've got to work together in partnership if we're going to have an impact whether it's Sainsbury's working with its competitors to keep Britain fed during a pandemic, or businesses and universities sharing best practice on what they're doing to level up Britain, 
or whether it's about the steps we're all collectively taking, large and small, to tackle climate change and protect the planet. Problems like levelling up, reaching net zero and tackling COVID, they need a wider effort and it might seem overwhelming, but it also means we can all be part of the solution and so we can all be a force for good. Thanks for listening to Fit for Purpose. Judith's been a great guest and we've lots more lined up over the coming weeks. So please subscribe if you haven't already. And if you like the episode, give us a rating and share it with your friends, family and colleagues. And I hope you can tune in to the next episode.